Hello and welcome to Head Above the Clouds podcast. And for what seems like forever ago, we are pleased to say we are back following the launch of our pilot series with even more conversations around mental health, well-being, guest experiences and endeavours, and boy does it feel good. For those of you who are new to our podcast, a big hello from the HATC team. Here at HATC, we continue to create spaces where people can find a moment's escapism or even a bit of respite. So take a moment, settle in, and welcome to the community and world that is ahead of the clouds. Hello, and welcome to Head Above the Clouds podcast with me, Alice G. And me, Jade Poltney. We're here to have open and honest conversations about mental illness and hopefully give some advice about how to keep your head above the clouds. Hello, and welcome to another episode with Head Above the Clouds. This week, I'm flying solo without Jade due to COVID restrictions. Although they're being lifted, we are still pretty conscious at the moment of minimising travel. With that being said, it's actually great to be back in the studio recording the rest of Series 1. And boy, have we got some incredible guests coming your way. This week, we are joined by Michelle Ellman, a life coach, writer and activist. Michelle is probably most known for her Instagram campaign, Scarred Not Scared, alongside her latest book, The Joy of Being Selfish. Michelle delves into ways to help readers reclaim their life through boundaries. And ultimately, it's the pick-up energy we all need when it comes to self-love and self-care. Michelle has had one hell of a busy year already, launching her new book, The Joy of Being Selfish, and hosting her very own podcast series, In All Honesty. So it's great to steal her away, just for an episode with us. And we are so excited to have you here, Michelle. Hello, Michelle. So lovely to have you with us talking all about mental health and what you've been up to even in lockdown so lovely to be here I was just saying that this is my first in-person recording which is quite exciting it's so exciting I feel like we've been stuck inside forever how many months has it been this one three months I don't know I I still remember the first one being five months so then I've been living alone so I've been alone alone Oh my god, have you how have you found it? Because I've been around people the whole time. Luckily I was with my parents in the first lockdown shielding and then the second one I actually I have was back in London with my flatmate. I must say I think the hardest thing about being alone is that anyone who's not been alone finds it really hard to conceive of it. So yeah. like at first I was getting a lot of like checking in and like, Are you okay? And then people kinda went, Oh, well you're used to being alone and I'm like <laughs> Do you understand what it's like to not see a human for like three weeks? Because like at Mm. certain points I was going for a walk once a week with a friend. But at certain points, there was one point where I didn't see a human for like three weeks. And it does a very strange thing to your mind. And I got to the point where I was just using FaceTime a lot. But the impact on your mental health definitely after the first lockdown I was kind of good for the first three months but it was the last two months of the first lockdown I felt like I spent the rest of last year recovering that kind of got to a good place in November and then they announced that second lockdown and I won't lie I just burst out crying and was like I can't do it again and not even for a month and so uh, I locked down with people in the second lockdown and then this lockdown, the third one, God, it's been <laughs> quite a year. Um, I had my book to publish. So I was like, ideally, I don't want to lock, lock down alone. But 
my book's coming out. I need to be in good internet. The only option I had to lock down with people was in the middle of the country where the internet uh, wasn't great. Mm. So I was just like, you know what? I'll be busy with work. It'll be fine. It's not been the easiest, especially around book publication. You want to be able to celebrate with people and also the like emotions and the stress around it you want people to talk to. It definitely felt like the stress of book publication was so much more intense just because I had nothing to like distract me because if I went for a walk with a friend or um, usually you would go out for dinner like you don't think about work for that evening whereas it was all work all day every day Mm. and it felt like there was no stop to it but as soon as book press slowed down I was kind of like okay mental health time fix this let's go back to like a good steady medium and but it's been a journey so but I think it has for everyone yeah, I think I think everyone, as you say, has like had their own kind of go with it and their own kind of journey with it, hundred percent. And people are trying to find their footing. I don't think there's yeah. anyone who's, you know, kind of taken off and found this super easy. No, um, and I also think we're all doing it at different paces. Mm. Even right now, as the world's opening up, some people are finding it easier, jumping straight into it. Some people are still living life like they were last week and being more cautious. And however you do it is the right way to do it. Yeah. Like this is an unprecedented, oh, we all hate that word, but like <laughs> unprecedented situations, which means we are having unprecedented emotions yeah. as well. A hundred percent. I mean, I was so excited to kind of jump back in, but I knew for me that was not going to be a good idea as much as I would like to have d- done it. I went to, I think it was the pub on like Wednesday or something I've still not been to a pub I've not even been to a restaurant yet it was the weirdest honestly I sat with I went with my flatmate and she um is a frontliner so she's worked the whole time so she was there kind of like just kind of getting into it and all feeling normal I was just sat there like what is going on this is so strange like the whole thing yeah just felt abnormal it's like I'd never done it before yeah so I think I mean, I'm sure you'll you'll feel this when when you go out at some point. Well, so I made no plans for this week to... Actually, no, that's not true. I did make a plan for Monday for a date, uh, but oh. he ended up getting COVID. So oh, no. <laughs> that date got cancelled. Um, but I, apart from that, I made no plans to change this week in yeah. any way. But it seems like the world opening up has still impacted my day-to-day mm. like even just with like meetings like this where like they're in person rather than we would have recorded this over zoom like things have changed this week even though I've made nothing conscious mm. I've no made no conscious changes in my own life it's just naturally happened and I, I've actually just said on my Instagram like if anyone's struggling with this weekend like week then I am too like yeah you're not the only one I just find that this week especially has just been like chaotic is the word I'm mm. using where like it feels like I'm juggling a million different things because you're trying to keep up all the good routines you had in the pandemic then you're adding adding in for me it's been work and then also adding in all the stuff I was doing while work was quiet yeah so like podcast recording and I'm trying to do all those things at the same time and Frankly, it's a Friday today and I'm really looking forward to the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what? I don't blame you. And I think it's a lot of pressure because everyone, I mean, I found in lockdown a lot of pressure to keep up with everything. Yeah. Um, You know, you've got Zoom calls here and there for work. You're struggling with the boundaries of finishing your day because you're at home. I mean, I do that anyway, but it's still a struggle. Yeah. And then you've got the pressures of, you know, Zoom quizzes and this Zoom. And do you want to chat on the phone? And I just, I felt like it was relentless at times. 
Well, I think this is why this week I've been so stressed is because like I've been alone, right? So I've relied on like a lot of one hour, two hour FaceTime conversations mm. and all those people are still calling me. So like this morning, one of them was calling me and was like, called me four times trying to get me. But normally in the pandemic, absolutely fine. Yeah. Was doing this all the time. We were doing it to each other. And then I was like, oh, I'm on the way to this. I'm on the way to that. Can I call you back? That? And I'm like... <laughs> Oh, I can't. I don't have the time. Or it's even something like um, I've been talking to my dad in the pandemic every day. Mm. I didn't realize I didn't remember that before the pandemic, I didn't speak to him every day. And Mm. now I'm like this week, especially I'm like, oh, that's why I didn't speak to him every day. I don't have time to speak to him every day. And like, it's funny because we're also in a point where we're almost reevaluating what do we actually want? Because I love the fact I spoke to my dad every day in the pandemic. I almost want to keep that. Is it realistic? I don't know. Like maybe it needs to go to like five times a week, but we're all figuring this out. And I don't want everything to disappear from the pandemic. Like I do think there were some good lessons that I want to embed and change into my life. But actually practically doing that this week has been like spinning plates. Yeah. And I think it's almost like finding, you know, that happy medium. But it's tough because part of me is terrified that we're going to go back to how we were before because for me it wasn't I wasn't in a healthy space you know I was working too much wasn't well so you were factoring all that the treatments everything and I think we've made some significant changes in some very good ways you know whether it's talking about mental health a bit more which is already talked about but not enough or people learning their boundaries which you're the queen of I mean you've written (laughs) you've written a book on it I know I like making that joke now I'm like (laughs) oh well I literally wrote the book on boundaries (laughs) but you know what that's honestly it's it's good for me because I've to hear that from you because I've struggled with boundaries and not my strong suit when it comes to people I just say yes 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 which is another thing you're the queen of now. I know you're saying no. Um, and to to work, it's constant. Yeah. And you don't want to say no and you don't want to put things in even if you know it's not healthy. Well, so in the pandemic, we lost the physical boundary that would be between the office and home. Yes. And so when you lose that physical boundary to have the like the headspace of being like, okay, switch off work, relax time now, a lot of people didn't have that anyway, mm. even between office and home. So now that we're just at home or if we stay this way, because even I was talking to a friend yesterday, she was like, we don't think we're going back to the office until 2022. Um, and so being able to be like, OK, no, six o'clock laptop off, six o'clock, no, la- or even just something like no laptops in the bedroom ever. Um, knowing those boundaries are important. And I just think... Every time I talk about work specifically, especially workplace boundaries, they're like, well, you just don't know my boss. And I'm like, <laughs> you really think your boss is the one exception to the rest of the world? Like, yeah. come on, all bosses are going to push that boundary. All bosses are going to take advantage. Yes, we can have a conversation about whether they should or not. But realistically, that conversation about whether they should is not going to change whether they do. And so what we need to have a conversation about is that, and I hate saying this because it's really blunt, but you are replaceable in your job. And if you burn out tomorrow and have to quit or have to take six months off because you've burnt out, you will be replaced in less than a day. Like whether it's either someone else taking your roles or an actual person is replacing your job, you will be replaced. So the only person who is going to protect you is you. And from a just very um, crude standpoint, I guess, 
a business's motivation is money. And so that's all they care about. They care about the bottom line. And yes, they should also care about more than that. But I mean, you can keep shudding for the rest of your life and nothing's going to change. Or you can make sure that you are protected. And a lot of the time when we lack self-esteem around workplace stuff, what we do is we overcompensate with our time. So if we don't believe in the quality of work we're doing, we try to produce more in quantity. Mm-hmm. And in an office culture, how that um, displayed a lot of the time was presenteeism, where like they would sit at their desk all day just to prove that they're there. But I've actually started looking at it the other way that actually it kind of proves you're incompetent because if someone's doing it in like less time and leaving the office at five o'clock and you had to stay there till nine o'clock, what exactly were you doing all day (laughs) that you had to sit there till nine o'clock but your colleague could leave at five? And it's looking at that and it's not efficient, it's not productive. And as a society, we've kind of taught everyone that we should have this way of working where like you turn on at nine, you turn off at five, But a lot of people don't work like that. And I'm one of those people. And I think it's why our generation, I've just assumed you're the similar age to me. (laughs) I am. (laughs) Um, Our generation has liked the freelance life more because I like the fact that sometimes I get a burst of energy at 10 o'clock at night and I want to do some work. But I also like the fact that I'm not very good at working in the morning. I very rarely work before 12 o'clock and I've actually started a new boundary in my life, which is very inconvenient for some of the people I work with where I don't turn my phone on until 11 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Um, But I love it because that means from nine o'clock to 11 o'clock, if I do choose to work, I'm prioritizing what I need to do that day. And so it means I have two hours uninterrupted before anyone asks me for anything. Because the moment you turn your phone on, it's like, hey, can I get this? Hey, have you seen this email? And I'm like, okay, but what about what I needed to do today? And so it's about putting those boundaries in place. And ultimately, all boundaries are about protecting yourself and making sure you are safe and healthy. A hundred percent. I mean... You, you kind of nailed it on the head, if I'm honest. And I've, I mean, I know myself and so many others who have struggled with it. I'm, I'm, I'm a workaholic, admittedly. I know half the time it isn't good for me. I'm working on it. It is something that is changing. Um, but it's, it's hard to find that. And, you know, I started freelancing at kind of 18. And as you say, freelance life, I, I had a lot of friends who thought I was kind of having a jolly all day long an hour on work and then that's it bish bash bosh that is the biggest bugbear (laughs) i have where like oh well you just sit at home all day so you can come out for lunch you know when they have that one week off and they're like oh michelle's free for lunch and i'm like you do realize i have a job and they're like and they're like no but you're just at home and i'm like at work and this is why I hope changes in the pandemic Mm -hmm. that now when they go oh but you're just at home I'm like you were at home for a year how did that feel did that feel like work or were you just at home oh yeah (laughs) boys the tide changing I agree and and it's so interesting I had a lot of friends come to me at the beginning of the pandemic and they were like all of a sudden you know they went from being like oh you just you not all my friends but some of them were like you know you you work here and there you go out for lunch or you'll have like you'll go to do some post for an hour and a half because you you, that's all you do kind of thing and then they all kind of trickled in over the pandemic and said how how do you manage this how the hell are you doing this and I you know I gave them certain tips like I my bedroom is my bedroom I don't work in my bedroom me too bedroom is for sleeping relaxing and I spent years when I was younger working in my room and I all of a sudden couldn't 
switch off or dissociative. Also, you get a little bit it. older and your back starts hurting yeah. if you work in your bed too much. <laughs> Literally. That Literally. is one of the things I learned. But it took me about two years adjusting to working from home. So like when this pandemic started, obviously none of us predicted it would last this long, but I did have to constantly be telling my friends. It took me two years to fully get okay working from home. Like we are only three months in at this point. Like give yourself some time give yourself some patience you're gonna need it like it's the long road we're playing here yeah so obviously you released in is it february yeah um the joy of being selfish and i mean i know the the title it kind of sums up in a way what you're writing about but how did you find the process of writing it obviously you've clearly been practicing this for a long time you're a life yeah. coach you kind of you help other people fit into routines and better self-care routines uh yeah I don't mean routine as in like getting up at seven going to the gym I mean routine. <laughs> I have no routine in terms of that <laughs> I mean it's like what's your morning routine don't know how it changes every day <laughs> exactly I mean routine about looking after yourself yeah. um it must have been even though you kind of do this day in day out it must have been quite cathartic to get it down in yeah. a way into into something that you can also not only use for other people but support yourself with like a self kind of yeah, repeating it, was, it to yourself in a it way it was a realization that I went wow I've grown a lot like to go I would say I've probably been on this boundary journey for about five years personally I've known all the stuff whether I implement it in my life is obviously a different conversation even as a professional we struggle with the same thing um where you can know something logically and rationally, but emotionally it takes a while or like sometimes you're just a little bit too scared to set the boundary. But compiling all of the text, because there are a lot of text examples in my book, were, it was definitely a moment of going, wow, like I've grown. But also how I found those texts is um, I don't keep screenshots in my camera roll. So I was going through like all the WhatsApp medias in between my friends and yeah. like taking these like screenshots. And I was like... I've actually set a boundary in pretty much every area of my life. And the more I started writing, the more I was like, oh, and there was this moment that I said it. And there was this moment where I had to like draw my line and all these things. So when I started looking at all these texts, I think I also just realized that the greatest doubt I've ever had around boundaries is a lot of boundaries has meant I've lost a lot of friends in, in particular. And compiling those texts and writing the book actually just made me really secure in the fact that I made those right decisions and that they were right decisions even if I miss them even if I um think about them still love them all those things it's made room for like better people in my life and yeah. also I won't lie there are sometimes I delay setting a boundary I'm not a perfect human I always say in terms of life coaching I'm a human before I'm a life coach mm -hmm. and there are times I delay setting a boundary but now with the pressure of being the queen of boundaries <laughs> and the pressure of having to write the book on it. Um, I had a guy on a guy I was seeing on Monday who was like not messing me around, but definitely testing my boundaries. Yeah. And then I was just like, nope, we don't do this anymore. Nope, you're the queen of boundaries. You better <laughs> put a boundary down. Um, and the funny thing is he actually knew about my job. Like he knew I very few guys yeah. I date know yeah. about my work but he's the first one who I told like my book title and things like that and um he said like oh I find it so funny you're you're a bit different how you are online and how you are offline what <laughs> do you mean by that I've never had anyone say that to me um and so I was like 
mm, yeah, it's because you're pushing my boundaries and I've not said anything. <laughs> so then I put the boundary down. He was like, oh, yeah, sorry. And I was like, okay, yeah. Like, I let you a little bit of leeway, but you're not going to get very far with me anymore. <laughs> like, I have a, I have a book to uphold. Like, I have yeah. to stick to that standard. But also, that standard works. Like, it is a... It's or everything I talk about in that book was such a hard learning curve that there is nothing and there is no one in my life who is worth it enough to slide back in terms of that. And I do think once you start sliding a little bit, start budging a little bit. And I think the reason why I budged with him more than I probably should have or have in a while is because I've not been on a date like in the pandemic. So it's been, been a tough time. Yeah, it's been a <laughs> tough time and it's been a year. And like pre-pandemic, I was going on three dates a week. So you get good at setting boundaries. Yeah. And then it'd been a year and I've done a few video dates and I did one in-person date last year, but not really. And so you, when you want something a bit more, your boundaries are harder to enforce. Yes. And so I kind of just... I let it go once or twice and letting it go once or twice is actually what leads to you then being like, mm. oh, I let it happen. But I I share those stories because I don't ever want anyone to think I'm a perfect person who always has my boundaries in place. Like I not just in terms of boys, in terms of work, sometimes I'm just like, I mean, off, off, off. I was about to say off camera, but like <laughs> off the podcast, I was telling you, like I was letting someone push my boundaries earlier today. Mm. I do do I do eventually set my boundaries. I do it a lot faster than I did it two years ago, five years ago. But it's still I still get the same feelings any other person would have when setting boundaries, which is sometimes fear, sometimes anxiety, sometimes like, oh, I don't know how they're going to respond. I don't want them to think I'm rude. I still have those same thoughts. The only difference is that I now have such a breadth of life experience to show that it's always worth it, even mm. if they react negatively. Yeah. I find it so interesting because I think I think you're right. The for me, like the the anxiety of telling someone, even when you know they're completely out of line, perhaps yeah. by what they're doing. But I always think it's like having it's like kids, isn't it? When yes. you know you have, you're looking after your your tod- your friend's child and their toddler age, and they say, "Oh, I want this," and you're saying, "No, let's take when you make dinner." Yeah, they say, "I don't like this." Yeah, I want another thing, and then you kind of go, "No, no, no," and eventually go, "Do you know what?" I'm so, you just got to yeah. eat. So I'm fine. I'll make another thing. Yeah. And then instantly in their head, they're like, they great, know, I can do that again. I can do it again. And I find that so interesting that I mean, we as I, adults do that still. I even think about this in terms of um, my brother's puppy. So yeah. <laughs> my brother's puppy bites no one else, only bites me. And I am the biggest dog person in my entire family. And yeah. so like anytime it bites me, I was always like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. And then I just got annoyed because I was like, why is she only biting me? And my brother was like, you're the only one who lets her bite her. And then like the whole rule is like they bite you. You're meant to stop playing with them. And I want to keep playing because like I'm such a dog person. (laughs) And I'm like, I keep playing. That's essentially boundary setting, but with a dog. Like, And so as a result, the puppy now doesn't bite anyone else in the family. Literally only bites me. But you know, you're right. It's it's such an interesting kind of like idea to it and I think it's tough to put in place and and when you say that you you have times where you're human I would be worried if you didn't yeah I think even when you are the queen of your trade and you're doing everything right and you you're helping others I would be I would be concerned if you weren't you can't follow everything to the exact same 
I want to say standard, standard, but that's not right because you're still setting a standard. No, so I think the 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 difference I like to emphasize is like in the book. If you have to, if you think about it, I wrote a book and also it got edited and all of that. So the examples you have in the book, yes, are word for word what I actually said to my friends, yeah. especially the things in text boxes. But a lot of the stuff around that. That is the perfect way to set boundaries. Yeah. How it actually happens in real life is it's messy. Yeah. And like there are times and the examples I use are largely the simplest boundaries that have been set. Mm. But some of the examples in my real life, I couldn't include in the book because I was like, it's a little bit too messy. It's a bit mm. too complicated. It's not really proving my point. Yeah. But that's actually how boundaries are set in person is it's messy and it's complicated. And I do write that in the book that like, if you're expecting to have this perfect conversation, the one that out, I outline in the book, remember that the one I outline in the book is after four or five years of experience. Mm. I didn't give you, I've, I've given bad examples in the book, like when I first set the boundary for the first time and none of those were perfect. Yeah. Um. And a lot of the time, I mean, if I think about one of the examples specifically, I use an example where um, I felt I ended a friendship, but it was a friendship that had a mutual friend as well and the mutual friend wasn't adjusting very well right, with that yeah. and in the uh, in the com well, it wasn't even an argument the conversation where she was trying to convince me to be friends with that other person again mm. she said if you're this unforgiving you're never going to find a boyfriend and when i tell people that they're like oh, how could she say that's such an awful this is to them to this day one of my closest friends and mm. It, people say things like that mm. like I know it's an awful thing to hear I know ripped out of context like people are like oh, how can someone speak to you like that I'm sorry if you go through your own life some friends have yeah. had some said some horrible things to you too like yeah. it's not this is not how we're not creating perfect humans we don't have perfect relationships someone can say that and I can fully forgive them and it's funny because like I actually saw her last week and I was like we talked about the fact it was in the book and she was like, I hate that that's, that's the thing that like people know about me now. And I was like, no one knows it's you. Yeah. And it's not what I think about you when I think of you as a friend. Like it was one thing that happened. You really think like we've been friends since we were 11 years old. I'm 27, like 16 mm. years of friendship. We've had one thing where you said something not that nice. Like, and we got over it because I set my boundary. It never happened again. Like, mm. if anything, I think it's a sign of stronger friendship yeah. that what that happened maybe four years ago. She's never said anything like that since. Mm. And we even had a conversation uh, last week saying, like, I understand she thinks I'm an unforgiving person, but like my standard for forgiveness is very different to hers. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily speak badly of me because it could also be that she's too forgiving. But we're allowed to have different standards of forgiveness and yeah. you're allowed to be a more forgiving person and I'm allowed to be a less forgiving person, but it doesn't mean one of us is wrong or right. And so I think we have to remove this idea of perfection around boundary setting, but also the reason why I share it is what you said about being a professional. So there's this illusion in the personal development industry, whether you're a psychologist, therapist or life coach, that you have your life all sorted. Yeah. And I don't think it's helpful to the client. Yeah. And any time I've worked with anyone, I'm not coming from a position of I have a perfect life because if you think about it, and I sometimes think, especially within traditional psychology, this is a model that is very much pushed. If it comes from the perception that one person is perfect and knows everything, the pressure to not say something like, I don't know, I'll look that up and get back to you is really hard on that person, on the professional. And then more so what it does is it creates a power imbalance. Yeah. So 
if uh and i've had moments myself in with this happening as the client when a therapist or a life coach says something that doesn't sit right with you or doesn't yeah. feel right with you there needs to not be a power balance in place so that you can go no that that that's not exactly how i feel um and explain oh this is actually how it makes me feel mm. but if there's a power in place where almost the therapist or the psychologist or the life coach is the expert then you actually sit, sit you sit down shut up and don't say anything yeah, and yeah. you're the one who's correct so i always work from a point of view and this is actually not just around personal development i think this about doctors and personal trainers as well mm. you are the expert in your own body there is that that expert that professional can actually do nothing without words coming out of your mouth and you translating the experience you're already yeah. going through so you are the expert because they cannot be in the room and the and another person can replace them they can't replace you yeah so that's the part which i think you need to empower a client by making them realize that they're not sitting in front of a per perfect person and i think that's also where when you think you're sitting in front of a perfect person a person will feel uh, perceptions of mm. judgment they aren't being judged anyone good at their job would not be judging them but if you think you're sitting in front of someone who has never got it wrong yeah. then it's very easy to feel like you're the fuck up and you're the mess yeah yeah i, yeah. I mean it's so interesting in, in how you put it like that i mean i know it's taken you know years of work to kind of put that analogy into place and and have it like that and i i think you know yourself best i, I agree and that's you know my mum was always said when it comes to my health um sometimes you get doctors who, who have said to me no that cannot possibly happen when it does happen and, yeah. and then they find out at the end oh yeah okay your body does work that way and you know my mum says you know you best yeah and I think although I've never necessarily come across you know been personally I had like a life coach or anything like that when it comes to you know I've got bipolar so I have you know therapies coming out of every area put yeah. it that way and um therapies therapists apologies and one of my best not even just my favorite but one of the best psychologists and therapists I ever had um she was really neutral. She was quiet and she listened. Like obviously that people think oh, that's your job. They're supposed they are supposed to do that. But you say with that that idea of power play, I yeah. never thought much into that. And I never felt with her that she was the one with the degree or this, this yeah. and this. It was I sit in the room and it was this balance. Yeah. And I think that's so hard to find. Um and I don't think people think about that very much. Well, I think it's the fact that I originally came from traditional psychology. So I do have a psychology uh, bachelor's. Oh, wow. I didn't want to go into master's and I didn't mm. want to go down that route because I found that I didn't like the rules myself because I didn't think it, it helps people. And one of the rules that I got taught a lot is like you never share about yourself as the professional. Yes. Yeah. And obviously, like I have gone quite extreme in the other direction <laughs> as a life coach now. Like, I mean, I'm probably the like the life, the rare life coach that like has so much of their personal life out there. Yeah. But it's because that's like, especially because I do this like weird online life coaching now where like so much of my life coach work is on social media. I think you can teach people by the examples in your own life. It's why I wrote the book that the way I wrote the book, because I with the actual text examples I have, because I remember sitting in my life coach's office and being like it was around a specific guy. And I, I, I couldn't physically 
set the boundary mm. and I kept saying I literally don't know what words need to come out of my mouth yeah it was like learning a new language and I was mm. like I need to have example sentences in my head and there's I mean it's basic English like <laughs> English is my first language like I should be able to say it but like her saying something like when he says this you say please don't speak to me like that yeah. was revolutionary because yeah. it never occurred to me to formulate that sentence and say it or that I was allowed to say it and so it was moments like that of okay but how do you like literally set a boundary what are the words that need to come out of my mouth which is why the book is full of text examples from my own life because I didn't want to use a like template mm. or a um perfect example I wanted to show that like every time I set a boundary it's slightly different language but there are key component keep key, key components so for example I use this isn't going to work for me a lot yeah um but I will make it personal and so I'm also very careful when boundary setting that it's not like you don't want to ever feel like you're talking to a robot. Yeah. So it has to be like, even if it's ending um, a relationship. So let's say you go on three dates. I will usually say like, it was really nice getting to know you. I hope uh, your meeting next week goes well. Like I will put personal things in. It's not a copy and paste text. I, I send to every guy when yeah. I'm ending it because it needs to be personal because otherwise it loses that um sentimental part mm. which actually makes it easier to swallow and yeah. easier to digest because you feel like you're actually talking to that person rather than talking to their therapist i think you need that i yeah. personally cannot imagine i mean i need i find i have to relate you know when you have conversations with your friends and you eat they ask your advice or that you're trying to understand to relate to yourself i think that's number one human but i think that's necessary i don't think I think you have to be able to relate to someone. And even when you're sat with an expert, you know, I don't care if you're my psychiatrist, my psychologist, yeah. whoever you are, as you say about them being a robot, you don't, that's not their, that might in their head be their job, but their job is to support you. Yeah. And to do that, people need to be able to relate, I yeah. think. So I think that is, um, I think that's crystal clear and, and I think that's the way it should be. Um, I know, you know, the book came about from a New Year's resolution, my Lord, New Year's resolution that's yes. kind of where it all what was the moment where you were like you know the the penny dropped and you were like I'm, I've got to write this down so it was actually when I decided I, I wanted to turn it into a book or when I decided I need to start setting boundaries we'll start we'll go with the book bit we'll go okay. with the book so the book came because you know what it was just working up the nerve to actually be able to be that person to write the book on boundaries yeah. like my my life in terms of boundaries had to be pretty much solid to get to that yeah, point yeah. and so even though now I've realized uh, there's no perfection I don't need to be perfect in it like I had to be pretty solid like if you think about mm. the number of questions I've had on boundaries in the last like three months especially in interviews and like people <laughs> throwing me every kind of question under the sun I can wholeheartedly say I can answer any single question on boundary that you have I and with that. like with a uh, informed educated standpoint yeah and it took me what two years so it, it's about two three years from my last book and I won't lie I put out so many manuscripts and proposals for random other ideas mm. and there was just something about so to be honest I was actually going to quit so 
I had put out maybe four manuscripts, all had been rejected, all had been like, she's not an expert in that, she's an expert in body positivity, which was my first book. Mm. And I was like, oh, can you stop pitching hole on me? Like, I'm not just able to do one thing. I am a qualified life coach. So can we talk about something else, please? And I was getting like, you could hear it in my voice. Yeah. Like I was just getting more and more wound up that like the industry saw me a certain kind of way. And I was like, that's, I'm not one thing. I'm not like... I kept saying one trick pony. Why does everyone think I'm a one trick pony? Yeah. Like I'm a qualified expert, but people can only really see my body and my scars and my surgeries and mm. all of these things that were in my past. And so uh, I had pretty much given up. And then my social media agent who no has knows nothing about books was like, oh, so do you have an update on books? What's happening with all the manuscripts that you sent out? And I was like, I don't know. Don't talk to me about it. Talk to me in a few years. And he was like, I'll give you a few months. <laughs> And I don't know what it was about that conversation. I went to bed and I woke up, was like, okay, if I wrote one more book, what would it be on? And it was like the word boundaries just popped in my head. And then at the moment it did, I kind of went, I'm such an idiot. All I've been talking about online is boundaries <laughs> all day, every day. Why did it not occur to me to write a book on boundaries? So then I sent an email to my literary agent that yeah. morning and I was like, okay, so last shot boundaries should we write a book on it and she was like oh my god everyone calls you the queen of boundaries this all makes it and I'm not even joking the moment I started writing the proposal it just everything clicked the yeah. energy in it the like how when the proposal was finished I was like this is something this is going somewhere yeah. and it's actually changed a hundred percent how I go about my career altogether because I've realized I need to have that energy behind it. Otherwise, yeah. what? why am I doing it? Like, I don't want to publish a book for the sake of publishing a book. I want to publish a book because I care about it so much. I mean, it's exactly why this the, the beginning of this year has been such an emotional roller coaster. Because I've really cared about this book, <laughs> which is a really good thing. But it also means you have so much of your time and heart and energy yeah. in it. Um, but that was that was the epiphany around it. And also just... And then, of course, is the moment I got the book deal, all I was getting online was, can you write a book about boundaries? Could, and I was like, could you guys have said this two years ago? Because like, <laughs> I needed it, it. Yeah, it didn't occur to me. And then obviously I had to sit on a secret for like 10 yeah. months. I think I announced it in like no eight months. So I announced it in October. Um, but I got the book deal on Valentine's Day, which is actually my favorite day of the year. So it, all, it was all very fortuitous and like perfect timing. Oh, I love that. I think, for those, you know, most of the, I think most of the best ideas come from moments like that. I don't think they're necessarily exactly. planned. They're more like an epiphany. And, and also then you're, I think a lot of the time it's like an epiphany and then you're like, why didn't I think of that yeah. sooner? Um, and you're <laughs> yeah. like, oh, well, that was obvious. <laughs> why didn't I think about that? But in terms of setting boundaries, the thing, it happened actually even before I went, I got my own life coach. So my life coach has been a pivotal part of this journey. She's mm. the one who taught me boundaries. I've been working with her for about six years, but it was probably about two years before that, that it occurred to me there was a problem in my life. So it took about two years before I actually did something about it. What but was that moment where you kind of thought, uh-oh? It was two moments that happened very close together. One, um, I was at a dinner, a birthday dinner for a friend, and he, uh, my boyfriend had text, texted me or called me, and I hadn't picked up the phone. And so when I saw my phone, and he had gone for like WhatsApp, Facebook message, and like multiple different mediums, and I was like, and texted me, and I was like... So I, obviously when I looked at my phone, I was worried and I was like, hey, are you OK? Sorry, I'm just at dinner. Um, and he was like, oh, that's strange. You're usually at my beck and call. He literally didn't want anything important. It was just the fact that he was so unused to me not replying immediately. And he put it like that. 
and it was wow. the word beck and call and I'm not even joking have you ever had like someone say something to you and it like reverberates in you and you've never been able to forget it yeah it was that and then about a week later I got into a fight with all my housemates we were in the final year of uni and like in the final months and um tensions had been building and then we were all revising doing our dissertations and then there was one big blow up argument mm. and in that argument one of the housemates had said do you know how much we have to tolerate living with you and oh my god really weirdly after that i saw um a quote on instagram that said like don't surround yourself with people who just tolerate you you deserve people who celebrate you i'm straight but like you know how everyone gives instagram yeah. quotes such shit i was like no that was a light bulb in my life i saw it in that yeah. moment and just went Oh my God. Like, and I think it was like all, sometimes you just need, my life coach says that bus to hit you. Yeah. Like it was like, a, it was that moment of being like, every single person in my life does not respect me. Every single person in my life treats me horribly and I do not deserve this. Yeah. But I think it all needed to happen together for yeah. me to be like, and not every single person like I mean after that argument I went to a friend's house and he was a great friend for me in that moment but like it was kind of that thing of like too many and too much and it's been happening too long like now's time to do something about it chefs in the kitchen yeah, yeah. exactly no and I I, I can't imagine because in a way it's 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 it, those moments hurt you know yeah there's your whole life in that. And people who read the book will read the quote. As you say, quotes are great. And I agree. Instagram's great for quotes. There are so many where I'm like, Meh, whatever. And then there's somewhere it hits me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, yeah, that's how I feel. And I can vocalize that. Yeah, puts words to it. Yeah. And sometimes in life, you know, these things build up and although they hurt, something good comes out of the wreckage. Well, I think I've always forgiven myself as long as I learned the lesson from it. And so it's not anything I hold on to. To be honest, the person who said she tolerated me, I didn't particularly want to live with her either. Um, <laughs> and the the boyfriend who said I was at his beck and call, I was at his beck and call. Yeah. Like, and that's my own... My, I don't want to say fault because I think there's so much self-blame that happens anyway. But like, okay. I... I think I needed to take accountability for the fact that I didn't set boundaries. So, of course, he thought that he could do whatever he wanted. Yeah. Um, but realistically, I went into that relationship as well, being like, oh, we're not going to last six months tops. Like, who gets into a relationship like that? Makes no sense. So, <laughs> But I'm going to say all of this with a disclaimer. This happened when I was 20 years old. I have learned and I, have, <laughs> I wasn't even a life coach at that point. So um, it was, you just need that wake up call sometimes. And that was mine. Yeah, I think. People, you know, people are going to listen, read this, first of all, and they're going to hopefully hear this and it is going to kind of resonate with them. You know, I'm sat here sitting there thinking, oh, my God, well, I could have put a boundary in there and I, I really should speak to that person. <laughs> and it's not in a I think that you get to a point where you just have no more energy. Yes. You know, you are bloody exhausted. I feel it a lot of the time. You know, I'm 26 this year and you kind of just get to this point where you kind of like... I don't have the energy for this anymore. It's draining me. Yeah. And I think lockdown has not helped with that because, you know, there are certain situations where I kind of let things slide a lot. Yeah. And I think I'll, I'll just let this one slide, just this one. Yeah. And then if you think about and it, it's, how never many it's never one. There's a, a hell of a lot. There's a big closet full of yeah. things that have slided, you know, and I think this is going to resonate with them and they're going to find a bit of strength and willpower to say I'm worth a bit more than that, you know, at least a bit more. Than yeah. That. I mean, fingers crossed, because I think also what happened in the pandemic is our emotional capacities were reduced. Yeah. And so 
you need to start choosing more between things because you don't have the energy to do all of them. And I think a lot a lot of the um, initial roadblocks around setting boundaries is believing you deserve to set boundaries. And so um, as much as those are like those light bulb moments now, I won't lie at the time. I mean, the reason why it took me two years to do anything about it was me at the time, I probably laughed it off like I especially the beck and call one I remember me being like my boyfriend's a dick like and then just like (laughs) carrying on with life and it's only in hindsight I'm now like that wasn't okay that wasn't acceptable don't speak to me like that but because I have boundaries now whereas like back then I just thought like that's the best I could get and like that's so sad (laughs) like because everyone deserves better than that and um even if anyone's listening and that's not the exact words that were being used towards you like you cannot feel better about yourself you cannot have self-esteem if you're surrounding yourself by people who treat you badly yeah 100% you nailed it you nailed it in one sentence um (laughs) and I you know I'm certainly going to take a few things away from this maybe I'll reevaluate my whole life (laughs) maybe I won't have time for that today but I do you know I even just hearing that I think people need to hear things sometimes that are the hard truth and I don't think it's easy I can't even imagine how difficult it must have been to say to people which is not because you're being unfair you're not being unfair at all but kind of laying on the line like this isn't gonna work so if people are used to you taking advantage of you it is it comes as a massive shock when they can't do that anymore I think I have one example in the book where I talk about a friend who cancelled on me five times but because we'd been friends for like six years and she was very used to like me not being serious about like because it was more it was closer to ultimatums that I used to set or like threats and then when I actually set the boundary and uh, a lot of people ask me the difference between an ultimatum and a threat is, well, threat, you have no intention of following through. Ultimatum, it's about their behavior and be- boundaries are about your standards. Yeah. So um, when I set the boundary and I said, if you cancel me on another time, we're not going for lunch again. And she um, she canceled on me and then went, but like canceled, not properly canceling, didn't even apologize and went like, oh, I got Monday confused with Tuesday. So Tuesday's good, right? And I was like, no do you remember when but also I was like do you remember when I said if you cancel we're not doing lunch again I meant that and then like it's it turned into a horrible conversation you can read about in the book but um (laughs) she didn't think I was serious that's what it came down to was she didn't think I was serious she had a year's worth of experience of me not being serious and when I drew the line a lot of people are like, well, then you should give her a second chance because, and I was like, no, this was already the fifth chance. Yeah. Like, And then also, if you think about it, anyone who would do that anyway or in, in the first place doesn't respect you. Yeah. So, so like a lot of people go, oh, but I now know you're serious. So give me another chance. And I'm like, why did you, why did you not take me seriously the first place? Mm. Yes, I should have enforced it the first place but you should have also taken me seriously the first time. Yeah. But it shouldn't have had to take me being serious to then, that's not that's not the first chance. That yeah. is the fifth chance. Yeah. Well, I'm, I think hopefully people will, I mean, I'm sat here because so much of the, I'm sat here a bit dumbfounded because so much of this I'm sat thinking, oh, <laughs> yeah, maybe I should, uh, maybe I should think more about this. <laughs> it's okay. We all have boundaries we need to set. Me included. 100%. I'm setting one right after this as well. <laughs> well, I think that's such a lovely 
a lovely way to end it. And um, I mean, I've learned so much from this already. And I'm hoping that when people listen to this, maybe if they don't learn anything or whatever, they'll at least consider their their worth. And as you say, their standards. Yes. Um, and I think that is the best thing. A lot of good can come from that. Thank you. Thank well. you so much for being part have, well, part of an episode, our first episode back in the studio. Oh, this is so lovely. I know, it's good to not be on Zoom. I must admit, I've been pining to just leave the house. I know, <laughs> any me point. too. And it's so nice to actually be able to talk in person. I always think podcast recordings are so much nicer in person. Yeah, 100%. Well, thank you so, so much. Thanks for having me on.